Welcome to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. IFA Talk is for professional investors only. Thank you. Thanks very much for joining us to the latest episode of IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast, where we talk to people who matter about the things that matter in the world of financial services. I'm Brandon Russell, online writer here at IFA Magazine, and joining me on the podcast this week is our editor, Sue Whitbread. Hello, everyone, and welcome to IFA Talk again this week. And we've got a podcast with a bit of a difference for you today with uh, Magic Click. May not be a name you're familiar with, but Magic Click are a technology and design agency uh, helping businesses to create great digital services. And it's their UK CEO, uh, Mark Lusted, uh, who is our guest on the podcast today. And we're looking forward to finding out how they help both mortgage and insurance businesses to deliver for their clients by getting the tech bit right. So, Mark, welcome to IFA Talk. Thanks for joining us today. Could we start by asking you to tell us a bit about MagicLick and your role within it too? Sure thing, and thank you for the opportunity to, to join today. So, as mentioned, I'm CEO of MagicLick here in the UK. Um, we've got a team of over 200 who design and build digital products, primarily for the financial services sector, actually. Uh, and what that means in practice is we build online portals, mobile apps and websites uh, and our uh, clients in the UK range from brokers through to lenders, insurance companies uh, and banks. And as part of my role, it's really to think about the now, next and future for the financial services sector from a technology and experience point of view. Uh, so, yeah, I was really excited to have the opportunity to come on and talk about that today. Mark, it's great to have you on the podcast today then. Uh, you've supported many lenders over the years with the digital journeys. And, and so what are the main differences in terms of their requests or requirements now compared to when you founded the business over 15 years ago? Wow, 15 years ago, that was a long, long time ago. But, uh, but I guess if we cast our minds back to then, so I founded the company in 2008, uh, which was quite an interesting time in the market, as you no doubt remember. Oh, timing, uh, good timing. <laughs> um, and actually, if you think about it from a technology perspective, back then you still typically had uh, desktop software for IFAs, you know, could be delivered by lenders coming on CDs that were being installed uh, on a laptop and people primarily working in that way. Uh, and the front end websites at the time weren't actually typically integrated with IFA platforms in any meaningful way. And actually, my first uh, uh, job, a uh, part time job when I was at university, uh, was actually working at a mortgage broker working on some IT stuff. And I still remember installing the Northern Rock CDs, which are probably worth some money now uh, on people's laptops. Yeah. It was a, a different world back then. Um, so fast forward to now, it's a vastly different landscape. Um, so if we think from an IFA perspective, you know, it's standard practice now for IFAs, for a lot of them to use cloud-based CRMs uh, and portals. Um, and there's been a huge investment uh, in recent years from a lot of these platforms in integrating some new technologies like digital ID, open banking, uh, automated lookups uh, um, around some of those compliance checks. Uh, and for some of these, it's still quite early days in adoption, to be fair, uh, but they are starting to great, gain some traction now. Uh, but because of all of this, uh, advisors have the ability to really work from anywhere now, not just in the office, which is good. Um, but underpinning a lot of this is really that customer expectations have changed. And 15 years ago, that was pre uh, I'm pretty sure it was pre-iPhone even, uh, uh, but definitely around the first wave of mobile devices being launched. Um, so customers' expectations around how they communicate with IFAs uh, have changed, uh, uh, you know, and lenders and how they deliver documents and messages have changed uh, quite radically. But having said all of that, there are some important things that I think have actually uh, remained the same. So, 
you know, there was a lot of uh, uh, excited talk in sort of five, six years ago around sort of robo advice and how technology, you know, that advice journey potentially could be completely automated in, in some areas. And actually, I think what we've seen and, and, and through the failures of some of those companies that have tried to try to implement that um, is that, that value of human interaction in financial advice is actually as important as ever, but actually more important given the complexity of the world now. Uh, so that's one thing that stayed the same. Uh, but another thing that has stayed the same, sadly, is that too many systems and platforms still exist in silos and don't talk to each other. Uh, um, and that creates some manual work and re-keying for IFAs. And that's something perhaps we can touch on a little bit later. Oh, certainly. And I think that point you made there, Mark, about the value of human advice is something that will really resonate strongly with our listeners today, as will that siloed nature of technology, which is still an ongoing problem. Why, why don't make things talk to each other is what they always mm -hmm. say to us. So, Mark, you work in the insurance sector, too. We know mm. that. Uh, I wonder, how does that sector differ then to mortgages, let's say, in terms of tech requirements and mm -hmm. for the end user, be that the broker or the client? Yeah, it's a good question. So I think I probably would have answered this question differently two to three years ago. Uh, and two to three years ago, I would have said that the insurance market is really far ahead of the mortgage market from a technology point of view, uh, uh, believe it or not. Uh, the, you mm -hmm. know, insurance clients, the, the electronic passing of data between different systems and third parties is a lot more uh, advanced. Uh, I mean, the life cycle of that product is, is a bit different as well. Isn't it? It's slightly more commoditized, or a lot more commoditized and, and sort of instant gratification with aggregators, et cetera. So it's slightly different, but some of the foundational basics from a technology point of view, the insurance industry was a lot uh, further forward. To its credit, uh, I think there's been a huge shift in the mortgage market in the last sort of two to three years um, and a recognition that uh, uh, investment was needed in some of the core technologies in the background to get some of the basics right uh, around passing of data electronically electronically between systems and, and parties um, and really just trying to uh, uh, minimise the, the amount of re-keying that's needed to be done from advisors and, and, and automate the way they can get case updates in a, in a better way and things like this. So actually, there's been a lot of work here behind the scenes, getting some of the, the plumbing right from a technology point of view. Uh, and now you're starting to see things launch where, you know, from an advisor point of view, if I'm in my CRM and I, I want to give advice and I, you know, I want to go and get some uh, go out to market and I've done my sourcing and get some dips, uh, decision principles, for example, um, you know, why should I have to go and rekey that into five, six portals? Uh, it's kind of an obvious point. There have been a number of initiatives that have launched in a couple of years ago that uh, uh, sort of said, OK, well, now you can press a button and, and speak to various lenders and, and get those dips back. Problem was that most lenders weren't part of these programs and uh, these initiatives. So from uh, there's been quite there has been quite slow adoption by a lot of brokers, because, you know, if your day to day cases, if. If, if you're putting it through the system and only, you know, these are specialist lenders, perhaps, or smaller lenders, or they don't fit the profile of lenders you typically work with, you know, if only a small proportion are coming back, there isn't really a motivation to use these types of platforms. But slowly but surely, there's been more and more adoption. And I think this is one of the critical things that I, as we look to 2024 is, you know, there are a decent amount of lenders now plugged into this. There is a reason for brokers start to use this technology. There's, a, there's a, uh, uh, um, yeah, the underlying plumbing is starting to catch up and pretty much catch up, caught up with the insurance market for many. I think now we're going to start to see the benefits for brokers if they embrace using some of these new uh, technologies. You are listening to IFA Talk, IFA Magazine's weekly podcast. 
Subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to be notified as soon as a new episode becomes available. And follow us on LinkedIn, Twitter and Instagram at IFA Magazine. Uh, well, Mark, we're going to have to talk about AI now. So how are you seeing it manifest itself across lending and insurance? Yeah, it's an interesting one. So obviously the last year or so, the rise of chat GPT and you know, always can't avoid it as a topic, right? In the, in the media and uh, uh, in, in your personal conversations and that as well. Um, but what's interesting is AI isn't new. Uh, and actually, uh, uh, magically, we've been using AI for quite a good number of years now in, in the background but on some particular use cases. So where we think, uh, and these are op- often are use cases in the background, sort of supporting operationally a business around how it processes documents, how it does fraud checks, for example. Or even we built a chatbot uh, uh, many years ago that was focused on uh, giving lending criteria information to mortgage brokers. So typically lenders have quite complex lending criteria, criterias, many thousands of criteria items. And we built uh, some chatbots for a number of lenders that gave the, the broker the ability to talk to the chatbot and get criteria answers. And what we found was couldn't answer every question, but a lot of the times it would give them that answer. Uh, outside of working hours, so three six five, you know, they can they can they can ask this any time of day, and it would actually operationally help the lender uh, because they were getting less calls that don't really need human intervention, and really sort of freeing up the the agent's time to work on those more complex calls that do require human intervention. So I think the way we think about it is going back to the original point that we recognise and really do believe that human beings have a really vital part to say the obvious in that advice journey. But if you look at the day-to-day workload of uh, an advisor or their uh, administrator or the team working around them, there are a lot of things that don't necessarily need, you know, laborious human rekeying and, and checking of documents, et cetera. And that's where we think the big opportunity is. And that's what we've been working on in the background. So it's exciting to see it in the news and people talking about, et cetera. But I think uh, still really do believe that, that that kind of that human part of advice will you know, really re- forever be a key part of that journey. But it's the ancillary sort of work around that advice journey. I think that's where the big opportunities of AI lie. So we should be excited about it then, Mark, rather than worried about it. I believe so, yeah. Good, good. Well, so we'd like a nice positive spin on AI, that's for sure. <laughs> we're, we're rapidly coming to the end of this one now. And so before we finish up, though, I'd really like to ask you to get your crystal ball out. And come on, you're in the know in these markets much more than Brandon and I are. So we'd be really interested to hear from you. What do you think then will be the tech talking point in 2024? Well, I think building on that, I think AI will continue to be and dominate public discussions on, you know, the future of technology and what's coming down the track. Um, But I think in terms of talking point to the reality of what's coming down the track, the reality will impact your your listeners' day-to-day lives. There's a lot of work going on in the background around specific use cases, some of them I've alluded to. And I think the way that this will start to impact the day-to-day sort of working life, or some of these features will start to appear in these cloud-based platforms uh, uh, around uh, uh, a filter through. So I don't think that that the that they need to be thinking necessarily about or, or invest, thinking about investing in you know building some AI models and data sets. I think the use cases around as I mentioned, document processing, fraud detection, and some of these ancillary sort of chatbots, uh, you'll start to see them filter through to actual products and, and be useful day to day. And um, coupled with that, uh, we're seeing some initiatives, uh, not just between how lenders uh, and brokers communicate, but actually about how, how the whole industry, the whole property industry communicates with each other and, uh, and some initiatives sort of driving standardized data sets from a state agent through to 
lender and, and conveyancer. I think that's quite an exciting thing from our perspective because the home, home buying journey is traditionally quite uh, long uh, and painful for a lot of parties in there. And some of these things around getting that core data set right uh, and standardized, which is not easy to do uh, and shared in a secure way across the industry, uh, that can start to have some really meaningful end outputs and benefits for the end users, uh, which is ultimately what we're, what we're, um, what we're here to do. Um, but one other thing I think actually, so I mentioned in terms of looking back 15 years ago, what's different then and now, I mentioned the rise of mobile. Uh, and if you think about mobile apps is a, is a big thing that a lot of people, people use. We haven't really seen many B2B mobile apps to date uh, from, from lenders you know, aimed at advisors. Mm -hmm. I do think this is something that's going to start to come down the track. If you think about how advisors work now on the move, not necessarily in the office, and some of the opportunities there around uh, sort of real-time case updates or scanning of documents and, uh, into, you know, di different ways of uh, uh, communicating with a lender or another part third party, particularly as, you know, new generations come up uh, into the advisor world, I think uh, B2B mobile apps is something to watch. Interesting. Just a, just a thought, actually, Mark on consumer duty before we do finish for today mm -hmm. and whether you think that technology really could help brokers to meet those consumer duty requirements in a more streamlined way. Mm. Yeah, I think that probably uh, dovetails onto the, the answer of kind of assisting assisting them rather than mm -hmm. replacing them. So if you think about you know, creating that digital audit trail, uh, uh, mm -hmm. uh, uh, doing the right checks and showing that you've, you know, checked the right places in the market and, you know, got that as an audited sort of document and, and trail that can be referenced back to uh, and, and really freeing them up to do the right thing by customers by not spending time wreaking data unnecessarily and, uh, 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 and, you know, sort of banging head against a brick wall, interacting with archaic systems. So I think as a totality, I think technology has a role to play, but probably not as a silver bullet that can particularly solve everything, if that makes sense. So we're right back to the value of advice point that you made. Exactly. Yeah, well, unfortunately, Mark, that is all we have time for in today's episode. So thanks so much for, for coming on the podcast and thanks to the listeners for tuning in. Uh, we will have another episode next week on IFA Talk. So make sure you tune in next Wednesday. IFA Talk is for investment professionals only. All material has been carefully checked for accuracy, but no responsibility can be accepted for inaccuracies. Whatever appropriate, independent research and whatever necessary, legal advice, should be sought before acting on any information contained in this podcast and value of investments and income from them can go down as well as up you may not get back the amount you originally invested